So Sabbath is an interesting thing for us to talk about. Interesting in that there is this way in which kind of visceral responses come to many of us as we talk about Sabbath. It's honestly interesting to me that that reality is true. And yet, I mentioned to you last week and we've seen it, there, there's these multitude of responses that, that come to us. Some of, uh, some of them very quickly, very naturally. We hear the word Sabbath and just something happens. I had someone talking to me about Sabbath this week and they kind of mentioned that they took a Sabbath one day. And yet I could hear in them, while they were telling me because they were celebrating it, we'd been talking about it, there was this feeling of guilt as they said, I took a day and I didn't do anything. And I could tell they felt guilty about it. It's interesting as we have tried to talk about Sabbath. And I've, I've shared with you some of the responses that some of us as we talk about it, we push back. We push back on the idea altogether. We, we, we don't like it. We don't like thinking about it. We, there are these rubs that come in us on the whole idea of Sabbath and what we're supposed to do with it. Others of us start to wonder, how is this even possible to make it work? How can I make this fit in my life? How can I find time for it? How can I work it in? How can I make this make sense? So there's that struggle of, okay, I hear you, but I just don't know how to get there. And then there are others, as we talk about Sabbath, that begin to just ask lots of questions. Well, well, what do you mean? Well, what's Sabbath? What counts as work? What is it? What's rest? What's not? And there's this walking through kind of the, the logistics and the rules that we might think of as we think of Sabbath. For me, it is fascinating for us to talk about it, for me to see the multitude of responses. Because as I told you last week, and I'll tell you again, I've fallen in love with what I feel like Sabbath is supposed to be. With what I feel like Sabbath is in the scriptures. And I don't say that because I've mastered it or figured it all out. We're still learning and adapting and changing it. But we have grown to love what Sabbath is. I don't remember if I've said it in here or if I've just said it in the small group that, that Callie leads a time or two. But Callie would say to you that Sabbath has saved our life. That as we've walked through conflicts or struggles or issues or just life in general, that Sabbath has been life-saving to us over the last handful or so of years in which we have been uh, practicing it regularly and staying committed to it. So as I talk to you about Sabbath and we walk in this conversation, you, you know for me, I, I'm, I'm in. I, I, I love it. I'm in. I'm sold. I'm committed. We love it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to tell other people about it because we believe that it is incredibly important to your faith journey, to your life, to your family, to your marriage, to your interaction with community. So we're going to continue to talk about Sabbath. And yet one of the things that I have found interesting, even in myself, that I thought about this week as I was looking at it, is I have spent the last three weeks trying to convince you that Sabbath should be a part of your life. I've spent the last three weeks trying to talk you into the idea of Sabbath. 
tell you that it's important, to tell you that it's something God wants from you. And I know that it puts you in this weird place of going, but you call it a gift and then you read the Ten Commandments. So which one is it? Is it a commandment or is it a gift? Which one is it supposed to be? Where are we supposed to go? How is it both? And I don't know how to fully explain that it's both, but I have been working to try and convince you. And I have decided that today I want to totally change tactics. I am not going to attempt to convince any of us that God wants us to take a Sabbath. Instead, let me ask you a couple questions. Many of them based on assumption, but let me... Ask and you think about your own responses. Is there any interest in you to simply be less busy? Are you tired? Is there a piece of you that is desperate? To find some way towards renewal. Do you wish that you felt less consumed by your work? Whether it's your paid work or your unpaid work. These responsibilities that you feel like you must accomplish. Is there any piece of you that wishes you felt less consumed? Would any of you say that you're overwhelmed right now? Is there any longing at all in you? Any interest in developing a deep and a lasting relationship with Jesus? We didn't do any raising of hands or... Shaking of heads or abilities to let me know exactly what you're thinking as I ask these questions. But I suspect that some of you would answer at least one of them. Yes, yes, that's that's what I want. That's what I've been looking for. That's what I've been hoping for. Some of us, I assume, would answer several of those questions. Yes, yes, I'm overwhelmed. Yes, I want a deeper relationship with Jesus. Yes, I am tired of feeling consumed by my work. Again, I'm only assuming, but my assumption is that many of us would answer at least one of those questions. Yes. So let me tell you something. I want to make this one of the poorest held secrets in the life of the church. Are you ready? It is this secret that for some reason we have hidden and I'm tired of hiding it. So I want to stop hiding it and I want us to push it out in the open and make sure that we talk about it lots and lots and lots and lots. God has created for us ways to find relief. Believe it or not. God has created for us a way to develop a rhythm of life that keeps us from feeling overwhelmed all the time, exhausted all the time, consumed by our work. A way to develop a new rhythm that allows us to renew our energy, that restores our soul and our sanity. A different rhythm that renews our dependence on Christ and pushes us towards a 
deeper and lasting relationship with him. There are these kind of multitude of of practices, of disciplines that that we could talk about. Silence and solitude. The practice of, of some form of a quiet time. We've talked about the daily office or things like praying the hours. Sabbath. All of these are this multitude of ways, this multitude of practices, of experiences, of disciplines that have been created for us to develop a different rhythm of life. They're an opportunity for us to intentionally slow down the pace of our life and to experience what it means to be in the presence of Christ. These, these practices are opportunities for you and I to sit with Jesus. Opportunities for us to show our love to God and for us to receive the love of God in new and beautiful ways that perhaps we've never experienced before. You see, it's interesting as we've talked about all this that so many of us seem to long for a slower pace of life. And yet actually getting there seems impossible. As we come and we gather as the church, there is this claim of our deep, of our, of our deep love for Jesus, of our desire to see that grow. And yet time with Jesus seems like a luxury that we can't actually afford. Many of us have a desire for spiritual transformation and we talk about it here all the time. And yet, even in this desire for spiritual transformation, we are unwilling to fully surrender our life to Christ. We want to be made new, but somehow we want to be made new only if we don't have to let go of any of the old stuff. And oddly, there's a part of us that hates all the old stuff that is true about us. We don't like it. We don't want to be around it. We don't like the way we think or treat others or act around others. And yet, we don't hate it quite enough that we're willing to release most of it. Because releasing it feels uncomfortable. It's walking into a, to a land of, of questions, of unknown, of change. So friends, as we have been talking about Sabbath, as we have been trying to walk in this conversation, as we've been uh, exploring this, let me be completely honest with you. The intent is not actually to push you to a place that you are just more obedient. That, that's really not why we're spending five weeks talking about Sabbath practice. The reason that we're actually doing so is because I suspect that you and I long for these things that we've asked about, that we've talked about, that I've questioned you about. That there is a longing in your soul to find peace and rest. A longing to have less pressure and anxiety in your life. A longing to more fully know Jesus and the love that he has for you. And if I'm true that these, that these longings are there, that these desires are in us, we find in the scriptures that these things we desire, that these hopes that we have, have actually been handed to us. They've been given over to us. We have been given the gift Of Jesus and his presence. And all that you and I have to do is reach out and take hold. 
And the reality is that the primary goal of Sabbath that we've been talking about, that we've been exploring, the primary goal is for you and I to connect more fully with Jesus. It's to create a day in which everything, our stopping, our resting, our delighting, is focused on experiencing Jesus and the love that he has for us more fully. Pete Scazzaro, in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which we've walked through together as a church and we've done that study, he makes this claim. Pondering the love of God remains the central focus of our Sabbaths. So believe it or not, these commandments that we've just read, the ones, the versions in Exodus and the versions in Deuteronomy, don't actually exist just to put more rules in our life. The goal of God was not actually just to create more rules that we needed to follow so that we were in line, so that we towed the line, so that we didn't mess anything up, so that everything was exactly the way that it was supposed to be. It wasn't actually to enforce more rules upon us. God has given us these commandments because God knows that we have a tendency to make decisions that harm God's creation. We have a tendency to make choices that harm us, whether we even realize it. Our body, our mind, our soul, over and over again, we make choices that do damage to us. So the reality is that these rules, the commandments and beyond, exist to protect us from ourselves. Now, some of you are going, yeah, right, sure. And yet, if you are a parent, you know that we often do the same thing with rules, right? We put rules in place that make absolutely no sense to our children because we understand that if we don't have those rules, there's a good chance they're going to make a choice that will harm them, that will harm someone else, that will bring upon them some danger that we don't want them to have to face. So the commandments, the commandments that we read, remember, is what we're told in the book of Exodus. And then observe is the language that's used in the book of Deuteronomy. To remember and observe. You see, God was aware that these are practices that you and I are really, really bad at. We have a tendency to abandon these things. We have a tendency to forget who we are. We have a tendency to forget who God is. We have a tendency to forget that God is holy we have a tendency to forget that God has created us special and unique. We forget that God has set us apart, that God has called us out for something sacred and unique. That God has called us out to be a blessing to other people and too often we forget that that's even there. We have a tendency to forget that we were created in the image of God. And way too often, you and I absolutely forget that we are deeply loved by the creator of the universe. So God has said, okay, take this day, and on this day, remember. Take this day, and, and, and just remember. Remember that these things are true. Take this day, observe this day, and be reminded that you are loved. So these practices, these disciplines exist to help us remember the truth. And at the core of these, so as we talk about these practices of silence and solitude, of, of um, um, things like quiet time, of things like the daily office, Sabbath exists as the core of these practices. 
the core of them. And what we find at the root of what's going on is that you and I would develop a rhythm where we move in and out of work and rest. And that in this new rhythm, we're able to live life in a different way. We're able to experience Christ in a new way. At the core of these disciplines is remembering and observing the day that a holy God has said is holy and was created for his holy people. Matthew Sleeth, in his book 24-6, that we've mentioned several times over the last few weeks, he says, make time once a week for a process of remembering. Don't forget to stop. Meet God in time and space. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. He also says this, on Sabbath we come to rest. And we draw near to the Lord. We retreat. We spend time together. It's an appropriate time for prayer, church, and Bible reading. But something even more intimate happens on stop day. There is time for just being with the Lord. Scazzaro says, if we're not routinely reading scripture, praying, and encountering God in worship, it is unlikely that we are growing much spiritually. Now, in that quote, you notice no mention of Sabbath, right? He talks about other practices, practices that I think you and I would be unlikely to argue are unimportant in our spiritual life. That, that, that you and I are unlikely to argue, no, 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 I don't actually need to read the Bible to be growing spiritually. I don't actually need to pray to be growing spiritually. I don't need worship. I don't need the church. I don't need any of those things to be growing spiritually. I don't think many of us would actually make those arguments. Once in a while, we might try, but more often than not, we know, okay, these things are vital for spiritual growth. We need these practices to be growing into who God has called us to be. Now, we may not practice them the way we want to. We may not be as regular as we'd like. We may still struggle with the idea of, of, of reading the scripture on our own, of, of interacting with God in prayer. We may not have even learned how to practice them in a way that we fully experience what it is that Jesus wants to do in us and through us and with us during those times. So we may not get it, we may not understand, but I feel like few of us would try and argue that those practices are just unnecessary. And yet, Scazzaro, after making that quote, continues with this. Keeping the Sabbath is a core spiritual discipline. An essential delivery mechanism for God's grace and goodness in our lives. It provides a God-ordained way to slow us down for meaningful connection with God, ourselves, and those we care about. Now, I don't know about you, but I was never taught this in my early faith life. I was never taught that Sabbath was a core spiritual discipline. In, in, in my faith journey, I was taught that Sabbath and church going were basically the same thing. That they existed on the same plane. And if not, that if we pushed into Sabbath a little deeper, that we might find that Sabbath was something for the super holy who were able to find time for it or practice it. But it wasn't something that everyone was necessarily supposed to do. And yet more and more, the deeper we get into Sabbath practice, I have come to believe that what Scazzaro writes is absolutely right on. Sabbath is a core spiritual practice. Eugene Peterson would argue exactly the same thing. And I would say that the scriptures... About 58 times do exactly the same thing. Tell us that Sabbath 
is key for you and I growing in the fullness of our faith. This Sabbath is key for you and I coming to know Jesus and follow him faithfully. This Sabbath is necessary for discipleship living and disciple making. It is a core spiritual practice if you and I are ever going to be who God has designed us to be. We have to slow down to find God. We have to slow down to actually experience Jesus. We have to slow down if we're ever going to be transformed. So ideally, you and I find a time that daily we participate in some type of quiet time. Some time that we read the scriptures, that we pray. There's a multitude of ways in which that could look or that could take up. But we find some time daily. And then also we find time weekly that we practice Sabbath. A 24-hour period in which everything we do is intentional about interacting with Christ. We stop our routines. We rest from our work. We delight in the blessings of God. And we look for ways to interact with the Savior through silence and scripture, through prayer and song. And the list goes on and on. So these Sunday gatherings, these times that we come together as the, as the church, these are huge for many of us in our Sabbath practice, in the way that we do Sabbath. Because coming together in this gathering and meeting as our small groups and fellowship with the body of Christ, with the family of Valley, gives us this communal opportunity to be in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of our Savior. So it's a valuable part of our Sabbath and what happens. And, and I would push further and say that on top of these kind of biblically, biblically prescribed things that we get of, of daily practice and of weekly practice, we also find encouragement towards things like vacation or even sabbaticals, which are more extended periods in which we lay down some of the responsibilities in our life. Now, you and I know we can't get rid of all of them. Mom doesn't get to just disappear for three months and leave kids behind Dad doesn't just get to disappear and say, okay, see you later. I'm laying this one down. That's not the way that that works. But there are some things that we can lay down. There are ministries we can step out of. There are responsibilities we can step out of. There are work things that we can take a break from for a time. We take a form of sabbatical at Valley in the summer from even some of our small group stuff that we do. Knowing that especially our leaders need a chance to breathe. So we take a break. Especially so our children's leaders who are overworked, overtaxed, and undermanned can go and breathe in some time in the presence of Christ again before they walk back into the fall and what that means. So in June, we'll start that kind of sabbatical period that we take over the summer. Why, why, why do we do this? Because it's commanded? Sure. Sure, that's one of the reasons. One of the reasons that we participate in Sabbath is because Sabbath is something that is commanded for us. But honestly, that's not the primary reason. That's not really why I'm encouraging that you and I participate in Sabbath. It's because you and I have been gifted the opportunity to find what we long for in Sabbath. A lightened load. And I don't know one of you that would say that that's not a a desire that you have in your life. A more peaceful existence. A slowed down pace of living. A deep and growing relationship with Jesus. Sabbath gives us these opportunities, these practices, this room to live in this new way.
you have been gifted. We have been gifted exactly what so many of you have told me. I just wish things weren't so busy. And God looks at us and says, they don't, they don't have to be. I didn't create you to function this way. I want us to do something this morning that is a little different a practice that we're going to walk into for a few minutes. It's not uncommon. We did it this morning. We do it most weeks for us to take silence at the beginning of our worship service. It would be fun to ask you how long you think that silence is because it's actually timed. I actually set a timer every week. It's not just random. Some of you would say, oh, I'm, we're there for at least 30 minutes. There's no way it's shorter than a half an hour that we're, that we're taking in silence. You'd be wrong. Um, but we're going to actually take now a longer kind of extended periods of period of silence together. Practicing this idea of what does it mean for us to be silent in the presence of God. Now, it's really hard to be silent in a room with this many people in it. I know that. There will be distractions. There will be noises. There will be all these things that happen. Lydia's going to cry out at some point, and that's completely appropriate and acceptable. Rich may cry out at some point also. That's okay. Because silence in a large group of people is hard, and yet we need to find opportunities and ways that we stop and we come to this place of silence. That we make room to hear Christ speak to us. That we take time to stop and rest. Now, even as I mention it, some of you are going, oh my goodness, he's going to make us be quiet. And I know exactly what's going to happen 30 seconds in. I'm going to fall asleep. Great. Great. Perhaps God is saying to you that you are tired and you need a nap. Take it. I'm not even joking. Take it and receive it as a gift from God. We're going to take a time of some extended silence together. And as a container around it, I'm going to use part of Psalm 46, verse 10. And I'm going to read it several times throughout kind of our time of silence. So in some ways, it'll break it up. I know that. In other ways, it'll kind of create a, create a scaffolding for us. Something to hold up this time. Because for us, it's hard to do. It'll create a kind of container, a kind of walls or boundaries. Think of it maybe like bookends. They keep our books from just falling over on the shelf. It'll help us hold it up and stay in this space, in this place, in this time of silence together as we do this in a communal way. So here's what I want to ask of you. Close your eyes. I know some of you are asleep seconds after I say that. It's okay. Close your eyes. And through your nose, would you just breathe in a deep, slow breath? Hold it. And then release it through your mouth. Will you do it again in through your nose? And then hold it. And let it go through your mouth. Notice your body. Are there pains? Are there things that you're clenching and holding on to? Maybe in your jaw or your shoulders. Maybe your fists are clenching, 
hold of something. Maybe your arms are, are wrapped in and gathering around. Let me just encourage you. Release it. Allow your body to be released. Let go of the tension. Let go of the stress. Let go of the pain. Perhaps you need to open up your hands and just put them in a, in a posture of receiving. Now with your eyes closed as you're trying to relax your body, still breathing, don't stop that part, that's kind of important. Imagine what it would be like for you to sit in the presence of the God who loves you more than you can imagine right now. Imagine where you would sit. Imagine the scenery. Imagine what it looks like to sit together with the Jesus who loves you so much that he gave his life for you. Imagine what it might look like to sit at a table or on a park bench or out on the ground on a picnic blanket or on the tailgate of a truck, wherever that might be, with the Holy Spirit who longs to bless and empower you. Stay in that place. Sit in that space as we take this time of silence together. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. There are distractions all around, but continue to imagine you sit in the presence of Jesus. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be.
be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Will you raise your head and open your eyes and look at me for just a moment? (coughs) Friends, Jesus desperately longs to sit in your presence. Wherever you just were, again, a park bench, uh, a picnic blanket. I tend to think about sitting in a cafe around a table kind of like this, sharing a cup of coffee with Jesus. Jesus longs to spend time with you. And the hope would be that you find some time each day and you spend some time in the presence of Jesus. But the scriptures have told us that we were created to take one day, one 24-hour period, and to stop everything and to make sure that everything is refocused in a direction that says... Everything about me today is going to exist in the presence of Christ. Because Jesus knows, God is well aware that if you and I would do that, that those other six days would be so deeply impacted. That we would live lives deeply in the presence of Christ each and every day. So I don't want to convince you. I don't want to talk you into it. I just want you to know that what I believe is the longing of so many of you in your life, in your family, in your jobs, has been offered to you as a gift. Silence, stillness, solitude, Sabbath. And I want to encourage you to begin to take this practice. Now, you're going to have to practice it for Four, six, eight weeks before it begins to even remotely feel comfortable. Even remotely. In the beginning, it will be painful. 
You will be like the person who I saw this week who sort of was excited about they'd practice Sabbath, but they also felt guilty. We feel that way because we have bought into the lie that we were existed to be slaves, that we exist to be slaves. We were created to be slaves. Just as the people of Israel had been convinced that they existed to be slaves in Israel. But the commandments say, do you remember that you were once slaves? You are slaves no longer. 